Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show, and it is a special show because it's Valentine's Day. It is the day dedicated to love, and I am all about the science of love. If you'd like to call in and tell me your love story, the number is 1-800-520-1534. That's 1-800-520-1KFI. Okay, do we have any listeners, Zach, who have called in yet? Do we, Wendy? We have plenty. We have plenty? You guys have lots of cute meat stories? Oh, I'm so great. Okay, who are we going to first? Tell me. Caleb, is your mic open? Who are we going to? I'm pulling up the screen. Let's go okay. to line one with John. Give me a second here, Wendy. Sure. Hi, John. It's Dr. Wendy. I'm happy to hear your cute meat story. Hi, John. Dr. Wendy here. Hello? Hi, you got to turn your radio off. You got to turn your radio off. Oh, we get the okay, feedback. We're turning it off. Yep. Can, you, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Tell me, how did you meet your love? Well, you're not going to believe this, Dr. Wendy, but... Um, His name is Randy. My name's Randy. No big deal. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Thanks, Randy. Okay, no problem. <laughs> anyway, so I think I'm going to let my wife tell the story because she's a better storyteller than me. But uh, believe it or not, people say we should write a book. It should be so, a movie. There you go. Okay. So go ahead. Can you, can you so, tell us quick in the time of radio? <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, my parents bought a new home, and the last time they bought a home, it was one signature, one handshake, and that was it. But they had to sign a whole stack of papers. So I saw those signatures over and over again, um, went to drop off the paperwork to the loan officer, and there's this handsome gentleman sitting behind one of her desks. And it's a very small office, so... I'm not a prude. I went down and I sat down in front of him and introduced myself. I am Kelly. He said, I'm Randy. So nice to meet you. And I said, oh, my God, what happened to your hands? You're all scratched up. And he said, well, I'm moving, you know, but I, I love Seal Beach. And I said, what do you love about it? We found out we go to the same church, which was, like, amazing, and we've never seen each other. Lo and behold, he says, um, you know, if you're not seeing anybody, I'd love to, to have coffee or maybe lunch. And I thought, that's classy. That's cool. And I said, yeah, I figured he worked there. So for him to work for that loan officer, he had to be a good guy. So uh, the loan officer finally gets off of her phone call and comes over, and she's all excited like a little schoolgirl. And I said, it's just a date. It's just a first date. It's no big deal. She says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is Kelly Bruce, daughter 
of Eugene and Teresa, and that's Randy Peck. And I said, oh, my gosh, I could sign any credit card you have right now. And he looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> my parents so he was he was the seller of the house that your parents were mm-hmm. buying. Correct. And you had so seen now, his name over and over and over, and now here he was in the flesh. I've seen his name, his signature, over and over and over again. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is the guy my parents bought the house from. He is a total stranger. And so uh, how long have you been together now? Uh, 20 years. Aw, congratulations. How are you celebrating Valentine's Day? We're, we're actually <laughs> driving back after having a nice drive down the coast. Oh, that's, we're, we're so lucky we live in California and have these spectacular views. Stay safe, you guys. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. All right, who do we have next, Zach? Let's go to Rebecca on line two. Okay. Hi, Rebecca. It's Dr. Wendy. Are you there? I'm waiting for Zach to hit the button till I hear Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. It's Dr. Wendy. Are you there? Uh, are you there, Rebecca? Button's a little sticky. I'm Button's to get sticky? What's happening? This is what happens during COVID when we're all in different places. The technology. Oh, it should be good to go. Okay. Hi, Rebecca. It's Dr. Wendy. Are you there? Hey, Dr. Wendy. I'm here. <laughs> tell me tell me about your love story. How'd you meet your love? Well, I'm a uh, flight attendant. I've been flying for about 25 years and flew around the world several times over. You know, as a single girl, single woman looking for just the right amazing guy somewhere and sounds like a fun out, life <laughs> it has been quite an adventure i have um my my love story actually is because uh finally came true because of my neighbor who introduced me i finally gave up trying to figure out who i should find you know and uh the neighbor introduced me to his childhood friend and one handshake later i kind of felt the stars align you know it was just that way and here we are 10 years later 10 (laughs) years um, later the most most amazing part is that um four years after dating we decided to marry and um we got uh we made a decision to go to africa for our honeymoon and our girlfriend um my girlfriend actually that works with the airlines as well she set up the honeymoon, uh, the safari honeymoon, and organized a second wedding with the Maasai. And it turns out that it was a a special ceremony, if you will. And we thought it was a marriage ceremony. It turns out it was a fertility ceremony. (gasps) Oh, my. Knocked up. Oh, it worked. Listen to the Maasai. They know. (laughs) They know, man. They have magic. So here we are. We're celebrating our Valentines. We took our little boy up to... Uh, mountain high and had our first family snow day today and we're just celebrating our love our little guy has gotten us through so much in the last six years of our marriage from our our my father dying of cancer and my recovery from cancer so it's been a and that's what relationships do is they give us the strength to get through the hard days of love thank you so much for sharing with us rebecca i mean the moral to that story is you can look all around the globe for your potential mate. And they could be right there, friend of your next door neighbor, right? It could be just a neighbor. Uh, and people are more likely actually to find a mate who's physically near to them. And, you know, in LA, we have a 
a saying with somebody's geographically undesirable because we don't even want to drive from like Newport Beach to Pasadena. It's too far. So we're so spread out in this horizontal city that people more, are more likely to choose people near them. And there's a story. Do we have time for another one, Zach? It would have to be quick. Maybe if we could do it coming after the break. Okay, let me read one quick uh, that somebody sent me on uh, Facebook. Russ said he met at church in 1998, but wait, they didn't reconnect because one of them was living in Orange County and the other in New Brunswick, I'm assuming New Brunswick, Canada. In 2010, they started a long-distance relationship in 2016. So they met all the way back in 1998 and they didn't get married until 2019. He says he's blessed beyond anything sent me a picture of their wedding picture, which is beautiful. So, you know, the idea of friends first is also a really good idea. And here's one that somebody sent me. I don't see her name on Instagram. She said, my best friend was going out with his neighbor for brunch to watch a Lakers playoff game. I ended up sitting next to a guy who took out a cigarette. Apparently you could smoke in bars back in 1998. Uh, I was not, she put in capital letters, not looking for love not looking for a guy or anything at that point, but uh, me not liking smoke means that my first words to him were, you're not going to light that, are you? And she writes in brackets, in a very bitchy tone, by the way. Long story short, our 29th wedding anniversary is in two weeks. You see, the bitches get the guys because guys love women with boundaries. We love people with, well, men and women like people with boundaries. And that's what she was exhibiting with her first line. You're not going to like that, are you? That's great. Okay, when we come back, we'll take another listener call because I love the love stories on Valentine's Day. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. I am taking your calls on this fabulous Valentine's Day because I love a love story. Who doesn't love a love story? And I'm thrilled to say that so many guys have called in. You see, guys have feelings too, ladies. Let's go to Joe right now. Hey, Joe, it's Dr. Wendy. Let's wait till Zach connects. Dr. Wendy, thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Tell me your love story. Uh, the last year of my four-year enlistment in the Air Force in 1971, Uncle Sam sent me to a base in Thailand to assist with the war effort in Vietnam. While I was there, I met the love of my life. Uh, fell head over heels in love, came home after my one year there, got discharged from the Air Force, went back to Thailand and brought her home. And we've been happily married for 48 years ever since then. 48 years. Did you have, raise a family as well? Uh, did we do what? I'm sorry. Do you did you have kids? No, ma'am. We haven't had any kids over the years. She's been able to have unable to have them. Well, you know what? It's all about having each other and supporting each other and having that amazing love story. And you know what? That was early for an. I'm assuming it's an interracial marriage. Yes, she's Thai, and I'm yes. not obviously being Caucasian. It's a 1971. You were breaking yeah. barriers back then, Joe. That's a lovely story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to Bill. Hey, Bill. I'm going to wait for Zach to hit the button there. Do we have Bill now? Dr. Wendy. Hi, how are you? Tell me your story. Hi, how are you? Good. Yes, so, uh, you know, my sister Linda went to high school uh, in Hacienda Heights. We grew up there. And uh, 
she moved away after college and moved to Tennessee and lived there 30 years with her husband. And unfortunately, he passed away uh, three years ago. And my other sister noticed that she was pretty depressed, still mourning the loss of her husband after a couple of years. And she said, come on, let's go to California. They're going to have a reunion of the school. It's 50-year anniversary. And there's going to be a lot of people there that we know. So they went and they worked the room. They talked to everybody, saw some old friends, met some new friends. And the principal of the school, when she was a student there, was there with his wife. His name was John Kramer. And she said, hi, Mr. Kramer. You know, we remember you. You're always so nice. And so my sister, the, the party ended. She went back to Tennessee. She sang in church one morning, and somebody recorded it on their phone and posted it on Facebook and tagged her. Well, she had become friends with everyone that, on Facebook at the, at the party that wasn't already her friend, and Mr. Kramer was one of them. And he sent her a message that, nice to see another wildcat serving the Lord. And so they started talking every day. And long story short, they got married, and they've been married oh, two years now. Oh, that's She's so 63. great. Uh-huh. She's 63 and he's 83. You know what? After you're 50, na- age does not matter at all. Like it's all the, the stage of life. You know, that is such a beautiful story because, you know, he probably reminds her of so much of her childhood as well. So she's, you know, has a piece of home with her now. That's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing it, Bill. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to stop taking calls right now, but I just want to say, For those of you listening and feeling a little wistful of hearing these love stories that, you know what, if you, if you're somebody with a broken heart, then you're actually the brave one in the room because you ventured out, you put your heart on the line, you tried, and that takes complete bravery. You know, on my Instagram stories, I often post a little, you know, I call them Dr. Wendy wisdoms, but sayings and lines. And this week there was one that got a lot of attention from people. And it simply said this, one of the most toxic things I've ever done is ignore the bad in someone because I was in love. And I will tell you that I don't come by this knowledge that I have about the science of love just through reading textbooks. It was my own heartbreak that made me rush to textbooks to look for answers. And of course, I found the answers so fascinating. Uh Uh-oh. Do you guys hear that? Do you hear that, Zach? Oh, my phone actually rang and it rang into my headset while I was on air. So I don't get how it's connected because my phone's not connected. (laughs) But anyway, I did it early in my life uh, when I was in my 20s and 30s and trying to sort out and figure out love myself. And every time I would learn something new about the science of love, I would go, oh my gosh, everyone should know this. This is so interesting. But I will share with you that I spent a decade, a decade, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I'm saying it so that you will feel comforted. I spent a decade of my life in an unrequited love relationship. Somebody who I was his a uh, hidden girlfriend while he was having public relationships. And I kept, fe- I, I would convince myself that, well, we had this special thing and we had this intimacy and he wasn't experiencing this with others, but really he treated me so badly. And I remember one time, I'm, you know, I can't believe I'm about to say this sentence right after my parents died, 
when he stood me up for midnight mass, yes, that's a sentence that came out of my mouth right after my parents died, the first Christmas with no parents, and he stood me up for midnight mass. I was crying in a bathtub uh, the next day and got him on the phone. And I just said, why? Why do you treat me so badly when I love you? Why do you do this to me? And he gave me the most stone cold answer that a girl could ever ask for. He said, oh, because you let me. And that's when I realized that my story was a story about weak boundaries. My story was one where I learned, had to learn to say no. My story was about learning how to accept kindness and find that sexually arousing. Ladies listening, too often I hear women say, oh, he's too nice. I don't get turned on by that. You know what? There's something up with your attachment style if that's your experience, right? And I spent a long time building healthy attachments with my kids, st staying in psychotherapy before I got to a place where I found kindness sexy, where I found kindness super attractive. All right. When we come back, I've got some listener questions, people who wrote to me and the winners of both my TikTok and Instagram contests. When we come back, you're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you on this Valentine's Day. I hope you're cooking for someone special. I will be as soon as I go off air. Um, uh, before I answer a couple of listener questions, I want to tell you that uh, my little love story, because uh, it's about six months now, and that's usually around the time where I feel comfortable talking about a relationship because, you know, up until then, it's all neurohormones talking, folks. It's not real. And relationships are so fragile at the beginning. And having a lot of, uh, you know, eyes on them can be rattling and they can explode. I mean, part of the initial stage of a relationship is assessment, right? And so it's not about, oh, I've been dating a month. I hope we, we date for 10 years now. It's really about, oh, let's see how each day goes. Let's see how each week goes. And around six months, you start to see the reality, right? It begins, all love begins with uh, a cocktail of neurohormones from oxytocin to dopamine to norepinephrine that make you feel so good, that keep you up all night talking with the person, that make sex so exciting, that make you over-report um, the good qualities of your partner and become blind to the negative partner parts. And then as your body adjusts to those neurohormones at around six months, you start to look at your partner and go, oh, I see. So they're actually a human being. Okay. So now you do a cost benefit analysis. Is this um, going to work? You know, from a, you make an intellectual choice to make a commitment. It doesn't mean you're not still in love or that you're not still in lust, but you have more awareness to go, well, wait a sec, is this going to work? So my story is simple. Um, I would go on the apps every once in a while, partly for research and partly because I've been a single mom 15 years and, you know, I, I'd look for me too. And, uh, but I would often match with people. I loved the app Bumble and I would uh, match with people, but on that app, the women have to talk first and I would never talk first. I would just leave them in like the, a kind of grayed out fishbowl. And after 24 hours, the match expires and I'd forget about it. And I didn't have notifications. So if somebody was sending me messages, I didn't hear about it. It was only every once in a while at night, I'd open the app and go, let's see who's there now. 
And one particular night, I opened up the app and I thought, oh, I'm not going to go back into the deck and start swiping and swiping. It really is an endurance test, you guys. And so instead I said, let me go into the grayed out faces, the matches that have expired. And I wonder if I can open any of these up again. And I click on the first one and I thought, well, if I liked him once, maybe I like him again. So I sent him only one one word because I don't think sperm chase, I I don't think egg chases sperm. I think sperm should chase eggs. So it's kind of a backwards app in a way. So I wrote, hi, that was it. And immediately, because he had notifications on, he wrote, Wendy, for exclamation marks, where did you go? You disappeared. And I kept rematching with you. And then you disappeared. And now you're back. And blah, 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 blah. And the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the passion of that text told me, this is an optimist. This is a bright person. This is a happy person. This is somebody who's actually into me. Um, And then he found, after we got on the phone, Um, he managed to find ways to make sure he could see me three days in a row outside, windy, masks on, et cetera. And it was always creating scarcity. Like he was going to have this meeting in New York and he was going to have to leave town and maybe we can squeeze it in fast here. And later he said, no, no, this is what I know about hot women. You better close the deal fast or they get away. And I love when he says that because it makes me feel like it's such a compliment. So there you go. That's my little love story. And I'll let you know it when we hit a year, which will be uh, like August. All right. Listener questions. If you're too shy to call into the show, I have found that you send me private messages on Instagram at Dr. Wendy Walsh. That's where I look the most. Sometimes I see them on Facebook messages. So here's one. Uh, I have one child now who is 12 years old. I'm 32. I've been divorced for 10 years. So I think this is a woman and she's been a single mom, it looks like, for 10 years. I recently started a really good new relationship and this person wants to have babies with me. I mean, the idea is so tempting because I've always wanted more kids. He has one already. Should I go for it? I mean, we both have good jobs. My answer is how new is this new relationship? Are neurohormones talking? I mean, look, I am 58, my boyfriend 61, and I will find myself saying to him, oh, I wish we could have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is stupid things people say at the beginning of relationships. So I would say, please wait a year at least because getting together when your parents um, means that there are actually four people in this relationship. And the worst thing for kids is a revolving door of parental figures. You're certainly young. You're 32. Wait a year. See how the relationship, how stable it is. And then have this discussion about kids. Cause I have a sense he's talking through a uh, lens of neurohormones right now. Okay. Uh, Somebody wrote to me and said, I love all your episodes. Uh, I feel I'm an expert in everything you teach me. (laughs) Thank you. I'm teaching you. Thank you. You know, I'm also a professor, so it's fun. Um, uh, This person says, I don't have anything, I think it's a she, anything extremely traumatic that happened to me when I was younger. Um, But you talk about parenting a lot and I see some of the impacts of parenting. I'm 26. I'm happily married. I'm happily living my life. Everything's great. But I was thinking that I might like to go to therapy because I learned so much from you, Dr. Wendy. And so maybe it'd be good to talk to a therapist, but here's the thing. My husband, he says, no way. He does not want me to go to therapy. I was totally shocked. We've been talking about a lot I finally said to him, okay, I'm not going to do it. Um, 
Please answer this on your Sunday show. Why are men not supporting of this? I would really appreciate it. Um, and we do, she says, we communicate really well. So, okay. So here's the answer. One partner, when one partner goes to therapy and it's not couples therapy, the other partner feels afraid that they will change. They feel that they'll now have this intimate connection with this therapist and they'll be telling tales from their marriage and therapy. So sometimes it makes a weird little triangle and the left out partner feels a little deregulated. So what I would do in this case is I would try to talk to your partner about what the fears are, what he imagines could possibly happen, and also impress on him about how if you go to therapy and get into some issues from your childhood, and by the way, when you say I didn't have anything traumatic happen to me, I just want everyone to know that the actual act of going from 100% dependent newborn baby to uh, independent adult is a traumatic one. Okay. Everybody's childhood is filled with speed bumps. Everybody, nobody gets out unscathed. I will say that there's stuff to peel back when you go to therapy. So I will say um, that you could assure him that you will be a happier person and be a better mate and that you want to improve your love relationship with him through finding out more about why you react in certain ways to him. That might be a good argument. So good luck to you. Let me know how it goes. Send me another message. All right. I also want to announce every month I do a contest on both my TikTok and my Instagram, and you win 20 minutes private confidential consultation on the telephone with me. My TikTok winner this month is Sarah Lubley, L-U-B-L-E-Y, Sarah Lubley. I'll send you an email. And my Instagram winner is Akshay Sharma. Akshay Sharma, you are a loyal, loyal attender to my Wednesday night live streams. When we come back, I have the founder of an Instagram account and a website and a platform called Sketch Poetic. She's going to tell us her story as an artist of how she used therapy to not only improve her own mental health, but to improve her ability as an artist. When we come back, you are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Help me, please, doctor. I'm damaged. There's a pain. Where there once was a heart. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. We're in the home stretch of the Dr. Wendy Walsh show. But when I read that uh, question from a listener about why people have stigma about therapy or, you know, is it worth it to go to therapy even if you don't think you had a traumatic childhood? Um, minutes after reading that, I received a video that somebody sent me from a woman named Sheila Darcy. And she's an artist, and she describes her own mental health journey and how it improved her art. And I thought, I need to get Sheila on the phone. So I think she's with us now. Hi, Sheila. Are you with us? I am. Hi, Wendy. Thanks Hi, for how having are you? me. Well, I'm I should doing share, great. I should share with my audience that you have been part of my village of social support during COVID because I know Sheila because she's part of a Zoom game night. Uh, every yeah, Sunday night best. after the show. And although, uh, to be honest, I don't like playing the games because I'm so lousy at it. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm tired. But I love the talking before and the talking after the games. So I stick it out. And You're then, of course, great. And, and then, of we course, have our mutual friend, Amy. 
<laughs> yeah, Amy wins every time. So that's the problem. When you have one friend that's super smart and no matter what game we play, she wins. You're just like, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> we love her. We love her. We do. I just gave up. I just said, oh, I'm pouring tequila. And if I come in last, then it makes the new people feel better. Right? That's my exactly. job is to make the new people feel better because they won't be last. I'll always be last. No. It's like going to karaoke with somebody who doesn't know how to sing. It's the best. I'd rather go with somebody that was like that than the competitive ones all the time. I, when Katie used to take us out to karaoke, I only sang background. Interesting enough, I'm a performer for my job. So the last thing I want to do in my downtime is perform. I want to I sit totally back and watch everybody else. Uh, so anyway, you told such a beautiful story in the video I watched today. And would you mind doing an abridged version for radio? And let me start by asking you, what was going on in your life that made you go to therapy? And what were your feelings about therapy before you went? I love that you invited me to talk about this topic because I don't think people discuss it enough. So to answer your question pointedly, what brought me to therapy was that I couldn't ignore it anymore. My body was responding in a way that it was just almost screaming to be heard. And at the time, I was an entrepreneur and was in a startup for about four years prior to being in a corporate environment. And I just thought I had burnout, Wendy. I, I, I was lacking mindfulness and awareness. I was work, a workaholic. I was constantly pushing through everything, very productive, but also a perfectionist and a people pleaser. And what ended up happening is it was showing up in the most unusual way, but not uncommon is through my flying. I had to fly a lot for work as a consultant, but I got to a point where I was so terrified of flying because I had this feeling when turbulence hit that would untether me. And it got to the point where I would have to get drunk, not only to get on the plane, but I would carry these little alcohol bottles to push through it. And so I just felt a lot of shame around the fact that I was using this unhealthy coping mechanism to get through a flight. And so the reason I even went to see a therapist is to address my anxiety flying. And I didn't even know I had anxiety. But what was interesting is it took me so long to address this because of the stigma I carried around therapy and, and mental health as a whole. There were so many layers to it. There was societal uh, stigmas that, you know, you don't need therapy, you know, you don't need therapy because somebody else needs therapy or you don't have a mental health issue. Somebody else needs a mental health issue. And, and I then, think you mentioned it, in your video that you're part of a culture that traditionally doesn't, that looks down on therapy. Oh yeah, absolutely. The Asian culture, I would say a lot of cultures, I've been doing a ton of workshops and this is showing up in many cultures, which is this idea that therapy is airing your dirty laundry. It's saying that you're broken. Uh, you know, it's basically admitting that you have an issue that makes you less worthy. Uh, and the other thing also in my culture, which is the Filipino culture, it's more, it's less about just the stigma of what it represents, but there's this feeling that we should be grateful all the time for everything. And by admitting that something is wrong, you're in essence admitting that there's something that you shouldn't be grateful for. And that was the biggest myth that I felt was really unlocking for me during my healing process is you can be grateful but feel all complex emotions from despair to anger to sadness. And it doesn't lack in your desire and gratitude for what you have in your life. You know, I know people that have what I call toxic positivity. They're so afraid of their own feelings and the feelings of others that they're just dismissive of any feelings and do this sort of fake happiness all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know they're suffering underneath it. We have very little time because it's radio. 
How did this change your art life? It changed it for one simple reason. I looked at it beyond the actual practice of art. I saw it as a way for me to express and release everything that was inside of me out, like a purging of all this energy that was in my body. And I just want to clarify that sketch poetic, which is what I do, is an embodiment practice. It's about paying attention to your breath. It's about including your body into the sketching. And it's also about letting your thoughts and emotions flow through the entire practice. So it's almost like stepping above it and being witness to all of this happening. And that's where the healing lies, is to be able to detach yourself from the outcome and to just allow yourself to really fold into the process of it. And I love that your first exercise was to take a sketchbook and sketch only in pen and not throw it away yeah. and not tear out pages and not scribble it out and just make sure whatever came out, came out. And that was it. It's in pen. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I was she going let, to say, Wendy, that the, the perfectionism part was a big part of my healing. <laughs> yes. Getting over that because life is messy. And you know what? It is an imperfect world that is beautiful in its own way. Sheila, thank you so much. I wish I could talk to you all day long on the air, but I will see you at game night. Not tonight, because I am cooking for my Valentine, but uh, next Sunday I'll be back on game night. If you would like to follow Sheila Darcy, you can find her on Instagram at Sketch Poetic. Thank you so much for being with us, Sheila. Thank you, Wendy. All righty. So if you want to continue to follow me, you need to get on my social media, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, everything is at Dr. Wendy Walsh. Um, I'm also on the new platform called Clubhouse. And I do a live stream every Wednesday at 5 p.m. across all my social media, including Twitter and YouTube and everything. So you can ask me questions then. You can send me private questions. Um, I am here for you. And I care about you and making secure attachments so that your mental health and your physical well-being will be the best it can be. Thank you so much for being with me on this beautiful Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next week. I'm here every Sunday from 4 to 6 on KFI. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.